Hello and welcome to the Improve, Inspire, Impact podcast. I didn't really know what to call this episode, but eventually I settled on honesty because all those who I've spoken to or who I've heard from have been very, very open uh, about their situation and their feelings. And that's something I really admire and potentially the sort of thing that I think is going to be forgotten in the future. I could be wrong, but I anticipate that in years to come, we're going to remember the pulling together, all the community spirit, but the more challenging aspects of having lifestyles and livelihoods disrupted is going to fade. I do think there's going to be numerous positives that's going to come out of this eventually. Speaking personally, I find myself in a bit of a lull uncertainty and disbelief and some other strange emotions that I can't articulate at the moment. Definitely a feeling of inadequacy. There's some guilt mixed in there too. But at the back of my mind, I do think that this is going to lead to a change for the better. It's like you hear all the time, you need to experience the rough bits to really appreciate the smooth. But I think the definition of rough and smooth has changed and it's changed quite quickly over the last four weeks or so. So what was normal and may have seen mundane and slightly rough four weeks ago now seems quite smooth and exciting. Just silly things. It's something I keep coming back to, but buying flour in a supermarket, you just don't realise what you did with flour. But I do now. There's plenty going on in my head and enough of that for now, but let's see the impact on some other people's lives and businesses and what they are doing to get through this, I think we could call it an interesting time. Well, here I am, sat in my caravan on the drive. Being of a more mature age, as they say, I'm not allowed to go out and help people which I'd love to do. I'm fit and healthy. Why can't I go and help? But no, I'm not wanted. I feel very frustrated about that. So I decided I'd sit in my caravan. I can't go away in it. It's parked on the drive, doing nothing. So I pretend to be on holiday. Got a cup of tea, a biscuit, um, a nice book on my tablet, a nice e-book on my tablet to read. And just like I've been on holiday. In fact, it's being away from the rest of the world it's become my little haven and while the sun's shining I'm come out here every day have a couple of hours sat in the caravan on holiday and the bonus of course there are people walking past right past my window um, which I can't see from the house so easily uh, I do surprise them if I know them I open the door and shout hello and there's a startled look as to where that's come from and we have a chat at a social distance of course so it's been very nice to see some friends and colleagues and all those people I've got to know over the years uh, it's become quite a lonely life with no wife beside me it's uh, going out and about was the social thing that got me out of the house and that's all stopped and I don't know when it's going to start again I do worry my mum just up the road literally five minutes away 96 in February on her own, all on her own. I can't go and see her. I can ring her up and chat. We get her shopping and we leave it at a social distance for her. 
she has carers coming in twice a day so she's looked after but that's a worry with different people coming in and out I don't know when this will all end I don't think anybody does but we've got to get through it there's no choice This is an anonymous contribution from someone who messaged me and wanted to take part but was not happy recording themselves, which is fine, I understand that, so I'm going to read it out instead. I want to talk about what it feels like not to be furloughed when everyone else is. Someone has to keep the ship sailing and that's me in the organisation for which I work. My colleagues are all at home on full pay and I'm actually jealous of them having the time off. Even though you can't get out and about at the moment, they still have time to do what they want in their own house. Even watching crap daytime telly or sorting out the garage or decorating. As the only person working, colleagues expect me to have all the answers to everything and I don't. I'm expected to become the HR expert alongside my usual role and I'm worried about getting things wrong because there's so much information arriving from the government and it's difficult to interpret. At the same time, I'm an office worker and my life is cushy compared to those on the front line. I'm working from home and there is very little chance of me contracting COVID. I wonder how it would feel to be worn out and emotionally drained from looking after people who may be seriously ill or dying. My job seems pointless in comparison to theirs. I've realised writing this that it all seems rather negative. I'm also counting my blessings. I'm healthy my family are healthy and we are finding different things to do together. We are talking more. I'm hoping that this will change how we relate to each other in the long term. It's hard to show appreciation for those who are still working, whether that be delivering parcels or food or driving buses and, of course, those caring for others. The family take part in the Thursday clap at eight o'clock. I remember not only the NHS workers, but everyone keeping things going. I find it very moving just seeing and smiling at the neighbours who we never normally interact with or coming out of their houses together. It shows a real spirit. Thank you for agreeing to read this out. I want to remain anonymous as I feel guilty for feeling jealous about stuff when people are dying. I get what you are trying to do with this and I hope that in the future I have the courage to admit this is me. It's Dave here, aka Mindset by Dave, Dave Crotchville. A brief introduction about who I am and what I do. I'm a mindset coach, you know that, but for your audience, um, I'm a personal trainer for the mind, I suppose is the easiest way to, to talk about it. I work with people's mental health more than their physical health. Sometimes it involves physical health, but the majority of the time I'm working with a person's mental health. So... I get a lot of, there's a lot of differences, I suppose, at this period of time during the coronavirus that I'm seeing within my clients and also within myself as I am someone who struggles with their mental health also. The first thing I would say is that clients who have had health anxiety or any form really of anxiety for a long period of time and have experience with anxiety seem to actually be handling this kind of like another day at the office. So for my clients who've got health anxiety, they've experienced worrying about their health and things that might happen. And though for a long time, and though you might, it might seem the obvious choice that this whole situation would exacerbate that, 
it's almost like they've had a bit of training and you know they've had training of kind of preparing for this type of situation and having those type of thoughts so apart from the added exposure to more information and it being talked about more regularly which is becoming problematic for some the majority are experiencing kind of this almost as I say business as normal sort of side of things now as for my own personal um, experience with mental health I have type 2 bipolar disorder, so what that means is that I experience the absolute highs and the absolute lows, the highs of mania and the lows of depression. Now, normally, that cycle's sort of length has varied over time in my life. You know, sometimes it's been over months, other times it's been over weeks. It's very rare for it to be within the same day. It does happen, but what I would say is in the last sort of few weeks since we've had the lockdown situation, I wasn't actually bothered at all. Before that, I genuinely, and I'll openly admit that I was one of the people that thought that this wasn't gonna all blow over, you know, ready, readily available to admit that I was wrong on that and I'm not acting like someone who is thinks it's going to blow over. Now I am kind of, I do take it a lot more serious, but what I would say is that my personal emotions have just been the what would have normally happened over weeks or months in terms of an emotional kind of up and down now can happen in within a day or even multiple times within the same day. I feel like a lot of time I'm coping very well, I'm highly functioning, but I feel like at the same time, a lot of the time I'm that sort of millimeters away from tears. You know, the tears are kind of right there behind my eyes, ready to kind of pop out at a moment's notice. And certain things that might not have made me weepy in the past are now actually doing that. So I would say that my already quite volatile emotions are just much more volatile and it's just much more of a condensed period of time. My overall demeanor on it all, I would say, is still the same as most days before this, is the fact that um, I've not always been a tremendously positive person that has bipolar, but I, of recent years, would say that I spend a lot more time in the positive mindset of it than the negative mindset, as opposed to sort of my teens and 20s, where I spent the vast majority of my time in the negative mindset, like looking at the kind of feeling the experiences of the lows way more than the highs I'm still I would say I'm still more in the positive I would say that I still do have days where I'm somewhere in the middle but I would definitely say that the the fluctuation is much more frequent in terms of I said about the clients that have health anxiety I would say the vast majority of my clients that don't they are probably experiencing a I'm not saying they're experiencing it worse than a person with health anxiety. What I'm saying is they're experiencing something comparatively worse to what their experience was like before. So we notice differences as humans as opposed to absolutes. So someone who is used to having anxiety, they don't notice slightly more anxiety. Whereas someone who's not used to having any anxiety at all will notice a moderate amount of anxiety more than someone who's used to having that level of anxiety. So my not my clients that have never really spoken about anxiety before and have just been here for more performance-based talks, um, they're experiencing a lot more anxiety and a lot more stress. And I think every single one of us, that's the one thing we all have in common, is that our stress container is already half full pretty much every day. There is an underlying thing going on that is keeping that stress container half full 
so that whenever the daily stresses go in on top of that, it's taking less time for us to get to that boiling point. And um, a final note on that really is I'm hearing a lot of people say things like, oh, it feel, I, I, can't, I can't talk about my problems right now because we're all in the same boat or you know, my problems aren't big or they aren't real. And even though that person is struggling with those problems, you know what? Your problems are just as big and just as real now in this situation. And it actually, it's possible for both everyone to be in the same boat and everyone to be experiencing it differently. Finally, we hear from John. He's the landlord of the Brook Inn at Plimpton St Morris. It's when you stop, when your mind stops being busy and you get a chance to reflect on what's going on around you that it can be difficult. You try and be strong, you try and be strong for other people as well and sometimes the things that are going around your head just sort of squeeze their way to the surface and can make you a bit tearful. Like receiving an anonymous donation of £50 through the pub letterbox today, posted to John the licensee with a message inside saying, please don't put this into the community fund, this is for you and for everything you've done. And if you don't need it now, save it for a time when you do. And it's little things like that that really hit home and make you feel just, um, I don't know what's the word, it's, um, it's humbling, it's humbling. So on the Friday that the lockdown was introduced, we, we closed the pub and that night we had a meeting. Sorry, it wasn't the lockdown, it was the, it was the actual can't trade anymore because that happened a week before the actual lockdown and we had a meeting with the local vicar and a team of volunteers about things that we could do to help the community whilst we weren't trading um, and news and information was coming out fast and furious and it was changing and it was contradicting itself and understandably so because it's a situation that, that nobody could plan for so we were looking at doing things that we could help out with um, and every idea we came up with another email would come through and it, it sort of quashed it and wouldn't allow us to do it for some new rule or regulation so it took us a week or so before we actually fathomed out, fathomed out what we could and couldn't do and in talking to the local vicar and a team of volunteers what we're doing at the brook is um, volunteering. We, I mean, all the staff, 15 staff have been furloughed. They're um, not able to work for us. We're not able to trade. Um, uh, some steps that we've taken in order to save us money mean that we've um, put ourselves in situations where we, where we just couldn't trade, even if, even if we wanted to. We've, you know, our, our till system, for instance, uh, is rented in order to save money, we've had to say we don't need a till anymore. Um, there are deferred payments left, right and centre. The, the government grant is, is absolutely brilliant. But just to put it into perspective, 
the bills so far that still need to be paid when and if we get back up running are hovering around 12,000 at the moment. At the end of this month, I'll have a wage bill to pay and the furloughed staff payments are not yet up and running. So I'll have to find probably another eight or nine thousand pounds to pay the staff um, before that actually gets uh, reimbursed. And don't get me wrong, I'm really, really thankful for the, the steps that have been taken to give us a little bit of um, support in, throughout all this. And I know that there are a lot of people that are far worse off than we are. But the money is running out and it's running out fast. In the meantime, we've started up a, a Sunday lunch collection and delivery service with these volunteers from the church. We use our suppliers to order the food. It's paid for by the church. I cook it and then a team of volunteers deliver it to um, the vulnerable and self-isolating. They've set a price on the meal and part of that money goes towards making the meals cheaper for those people that need um, a little bit of financial help um, and even homeless people. Anything that's made over and above that, over and above the costs, is being plowed back into a, a fund to, to set up a food bank for Plimpton and the surrounding areas, the PL7 postcode. We're also doing veg box or veg bag actually, deliveries. We noticed that a lot of the veg boxes that are being provided by others are about £35 in, in price and they've got an awful lot of veg in them and that you can get a veg box or you can get a fruit box where we're doing a mixed grocery bag which is a little bit of veg, a little bit of fruit, some cheese, um, charging £15 per head for that, again all through the church um, and the, the cost of the fruit is coming out of that, the cost of the bag but over and above that, it's all going towards this food bank. So we're not allowed to trade. We're not allowed to, to make any money. Um, and that's fine because I'd rather help the community out and volunteer than do absolutely nothing in these situations. If, if you can help, then I think you should. And that's the philosophy here. But it's, it's difficult. And... The gas bills are mounting up, the electricity bills are mounting up, the insurance still needs to be paid. Um, the uh, pub company is still charging rent, although it's deferred, which means that when and if we do start up again, that money's still going to have to be found from somewhere. Our break-even before the coronavirus was £11,500 a week just to open the doors and pay all the bills. When we start up again, I think it's going to be much nearer sixteen or 17,000. That's something I'm not really thinking about at this present stage because we're all in this together. Everybody's going to have the same difficulty and we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. In the meantime, we just want to help the community in the best way we can with the limited resources that we can. Um, but I'd be lying if I didn't say... I was worried about the future. Um, the money is going down faster. <laughs> well, none's coming in over and above the grant that we had. Um, I can't get self-employed help because the pub has only ever broken even. It's never made a profit. So the last three years, books will not show enough for me to get anything as a self-employed person. 
I'm lucky because my partner has a full-time job and he works for local government and they are busier than they've ever been. So we, unlike some, have still got money coming into the house. Um, we've set up a virtual pub to try and keep the community together. Uh, on Facebook we have a virtual page which still has live entertainment. The customers can go in and chat. They just can't have a, a drink with each other when they do so. And um, hopefully... Hopefully, all the measures we've taken will keep the Brook Inn on the radar of our future customers so that when we do, if we do, come back into business, and at the moment we're sort of putting a tentative date of October on that, if we do, then hopefully um, the things that we've done will help us and put us in good stead with a good customer base to, to start up again. Uh, I get a little bit frustrated in the fact that people think it's me. It's not me. It's me and a, and a team of others that are doing the work. Sometimes you can't publicly thank the people that are doing the most for you for fear that it might put them in a situation where they, I don't know, um, lose benefits or, or whatever. But all I can say is everybody is volunteering, everybody is following the guidelines. We even had a half an hour conversation with the Environmental Health Office to make sure that the, the plans that we had to do take away food weren't going to break any rules or regulations. Very, very helpful doing that, by the way. Um, good to be on side with the Environmental Health Office. Our collections are timed so that there's never more than five cars in the car park and everybody can observe the social distancing rules. And um, similarly with the grocery bags, we have a system where we put the bag on the doorstep, knock the door, we step back, the person opens the door, takes the bag in, closes the door and then we collect uh, payment for it, which then goes straight back to the church. So, um, yeah, all, all is not bad and the sun is shining. It would be awful if uh, we were all locked in and it was tipping down with rain. Uh, I know it's frustrating not to be able to get out and about um, and see the beautiful, beautiful Devon countryside and, you know, having to walk the dog just once a day by me and once a day by my partner so that we're not breaking any guidelines uh, is, is also difficult. Um, but, yeah. Life goes on, thankfully, and at the moment, nobody I know is suffering. My 83-year-old dad lives 75 miles away. That's also something that, that plays on my mind um, throughout all this. Um, but there are an awful lot of people doing an awful lot of good out there, and um, let's hope that we see all of you on the other side. This episode has been really interesting to put together. I've really enjoyed it. And that's because I can relate to some of the feelings and emotions, uh, not necessarily the situations, but the, the feelings and the emotions that people find themselves in. And it does take a lot of courage to share those thoughts and be completely honest. So I'm beyond grateful to those who've taken part. If you want to join me and share my vision of preserving this time as we are, rather than with the inevitable political spin I think we're going to hear about in several years' time, then please get in touch. 
My email is almond.triangle at gmail.com and on Instagram, I'm almond.triangle. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.